is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. If you have been with us recently uh, here on a Sunday, you'll know maybe that we've been going through a short series which I've called Gathering. And uh, whilst we didn't look at this last week, uh, I've been looking at this subject uh, just recently and how as we gather together, and the Bible does expect us as a church to gather together, it's a good thing, the Bible encourages us to do that, but the Bible also encourages us very specifically to gather with uh, certain ideas in mind, so for particular reasons. So to start with, we looked at how we gather to God, and we gather to worship Him. That was number one. Number two was we, we gather to grow. And over a couple of weeks, we looked at how we gather to, to grow in the Word, in, in, in our knowledge and understanding and application of God's Word. But also, we looked at growing in the Spirit, growing in, uh, in, in receiving the Holy Spirit and uh, operating in the gifts that He gives us and uh, learning in those sort of things. So we gather to God, we gather to grow. And uh, I've been expecting this week to preach on the subject of gathering to go. And uh, for most of this week, I've been on a training course, which I'll refer to in a moment. So the beginning part of the week, I worked hard on my message. On Monday and Tuesday, I worked hard on my message for today, gathering to go. I had it all finished. And uh, I came home Tuesday and uh, I felt quite pleased. I felt, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm not going to be in the office for the rest of the week. Uh, but the message is done. It's ready. I've got it there in the file. It's all printed out. It's ready to go. Uh, and I was really looking forward to delivering it. And I think I even put something online at one point in the week going, really looking forward to preaching this message on Sunday and uh, gathering to go and be ready for it. And uh, then on Wednesday, uh, I went on a preaching course. It's, it's always dangerous to, to prepare your message and then go on a preaching course. N- never do that if you're a preacher. Always do it the other way around. And so for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I've been on a, a preaching course. And uh, some of you have made encouraging comments to me about that this week. Thank you for that. Others of you have brought scorecards probably to hold up at the end. That's fine too. Uh, but interestingly, this... this message hasn't come out of that, but rather I felt God speak to me during one of the sessions as I was sitting there uh, in, uh, in seminars and lectures this week and, and seeking to learn and grow in this whole area. I felt God speak to me very clearly that I should preach a different message today. And so the, uh, the lecturer was there, maybe this, this happened to you, you're there listening to somebody, supposedly listening to somebody in a, in a lecture theatre maybe, and uh, something else is going on in your head. And uh, I don't just mean, you know, you're, you're looking at Facebook on your phone or something, but, you know, you're thinking about something else. And this is what was happening to me. So I was there, and uh, we were learning about exegesis and hermeneutics and, and, other, and other things that I was really enjoying. But inside my head, I felt God was speaking to me about a different message for today. And I'm going, God, you don't understand. Look, I spent Monday and Tuesday working on this so that I'll be freed up to get to this training the rest of the week. I've got no time. I can't go and preach something else. And um, I sort of have to confess I argued with God a little bit on this. And guess who won? 
Because <laughs> I, I, I just felt God convict me on it. So, and so, yeah, it's the right message, but for next week, there's something else to go in, in between before you get to it. And I certainly want to preach this message on gathering to go, and I'll be doing that, I'm trusting, next Sunday. But I felt God speak to me about a really, there's a, if you like, another message that needed to go in before we got to that. So we've looked at gathering to God, gathering to grow. And before we get to gathering to go, I felt really God speak to us. I know there's something else you need to look at first. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, and I'm very happy to preach this, although I've, uh, even though I've told the story as I have, because I feel it fits in with Jesus' model. And it's looking at the Bible again, as I've, I've tried to do over the last couple of days, uh, I'm expecting this may be shorter than usual. Some of you will be pleased to know that. Um, I do believe it's what God would have us look at today. And I feel it's important to do it before we look at gathering to go next week. I feel this is on God's heart for us as a church. And what I want to look at, the title of this morning's message is Gathering to Care. I did sit there slightly frustrated thinking, God, he hasn't got a G. He doesn't fit in my series. And, uh, you know, we did some things on learning styles this week. And I, I, I like things very organized and very structured and, you know, sometimes you might say predictable. Uh, but I was thinking, God, it doesn't even fit in my structure. And God's like, this is the message you need to preach. And so this morning we're going to look at this subject of gathering to care. So why don't we pray and then we'll open up the Bible and see what God has for us, okay? Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your presence, even as we've gathered to worship you in this place. And I pray now as we open up your word that you would come and speak to us. Father, I thank you as I've shared that I feel you've put this message on my heart for this morning. So I I say, Lord, please help me to communicate it well, to serve your people and to build us up as a church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gathering to care. My first heading under this is, is this, having compassion. If Having compassion. If you hadn't noticed, and I'm sure you have, we live in a, a pretty broken world, don't we? Now, you could pick up a newspaper on any day of the week, and I could almost guarantee the front page headline, or at least, you know, the second headline, if not the main story, is going to be probably bad news of one degree or another. Pain is all around us. And we, no, that's in the news, isn't it? Every news bulletin, there's a war or a tragedy or, or an accident or, or someone's been, been hurt or, or killed or something's happened. It seems that sort of pain is at every turn. Everywhere we look, there's, there's something that, that is there. And for some of you, that, that pain is perhaps closer to home. You might say, actually, Graham, it's not just reading it in the newspaper, but, but, but for me, actually, it's, it's my best friend, or it's my husband or wife, or it's my, in my family, or it's in my... Whatever situation it might be for you, you're facing that perhaps quite closely, even at the moment. It's something that you're, you're facing. I heard recently of, um, uh, of uh, a family member, of a neighbour of ours, who's just been diagnosed with cancer, and... It, the doctors are saying it doesn't look good. And uh, it may have a year or so. And, if, and they're thinking, oh, what, what do they do with that? They've got, they've got a family. And uh, they're thinking, well, this is just huge. There is pain there and there's, there's suffering there. 
And for some of you, it might not be just that you're observing it in others and it's around you and maybe friends or, or family members, but it's you. You're the one that's actually, if, I was, if you were honest this morning, you might say, actually, Graham, I'm the one that feels broken or in pain or, or facing this situation or circumstance. And most of that pain, most of those situations that are before us in one shape or another are come to us as a result of living in what we might call a fallen world. Or what we might say is actually the world that God created has been damaged along the way. And it's been damaged as a result of sin. People rebelling against God, it's been damaged. Uh, this pain comes to us because we live in, in, in a world that is full of sin and pain and hurts. And sometimes it's as a result of our own actions. Very often it's as a result of just living in a fallen world. And we need to be aware of this. And we need to be aware too of where people are at. Because, because Jesus was. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me please to, to Matthew chapter 9. I'm hoping that many of you have got your Bibles with you. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35, it says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And if you know the passage or you've got your Bibles open, you may scan forward a few verses and see that this is just before Jesus sends his disciples out on a mission. And uh, this will be a good passage to use next week. I, uh, I may well even refer to it. But before Jesus does this, before he sends his disciples out, before he sends them out, even before he says to them, look, you know, that the harvest is ready, you need need to go now. Have you noticed what we're told here in the gospel? Verse 36 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Jesus doesn't miss this. And it's before he sends his disciples out, he notices something about the crowds. And he has compassion on them. And in fact, the very fact that he has that compassion seems to stir him to send his disciples out to, to these people and to others like them. And we must allow God to do that in us, to allow God to stir us uh, with his good news, with the good news of the kingdom, that message that he's given us, uh, our way he sends out his disciples, we must allow God to do that, to stir us like that. But before we jump to the mission bit, we need to uh, allow him to, to move our hearts. Jesus had compassion. He allowed his heart to be impacted, to be moved. Jesus didn't ignore broken people. He was full of compassion. Now, plenty of broken people came to Jesus. You can think of the woman that had been, uh, been bleeding for years. She came to Jesus, and it, Jesus was able to, to heal her, and he had compassion on her. You might think of that woman who was an outcast of society because of the type of lifestyle that she led. 
Jesus had compassion on her. Didn't say, oh, I know the sort of woman you are. You know, you need to go far from me. No, no, no. He had compassion on her. You might think about the man whose daughter was dying, who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, could, you, know, you, you could heal her. Could you do that for me? Jesus had compassion on him. And if there's anyone that had a to-do list that was long, and I know what it is to have a to-do list that's long, and I'm sure you do as well, be it the one that's sitting in your office ready for tomorrow morning, or be it the one that's sitting on the, uh, the kitchen fridge from your wife <laughs> with the things to do around the house, <laughs> whatever it might be, you, you know what it is to have a, a long list of things to do. Listen, Jesus had a whole bunch of things he needed to do. But he still had time for people. And he still had time for broken people, those who were suffering, those who were in pain. And this morning I want to ask you the question, if you feel like that, if maybe you would say, if you are honest, and we're not always good at being honest, are we? (laughs) But if you were honest, you'd say, yeah, you know what, I feel pretty broken or in pain. Then listen, Jesus has time for you. He really does. He has compassion for you. And if that's not you at the moment, then my question to you is this. Do you have time for people like that who are in pain or feeling broken just now? Do you allow God to move your heart, to have compassion as Jesus did? I I called this message Gathering to Care. And uh, if you can think of a, a word that begins with G to fit into that for my series. If I ever preach it again, I'd love to know that. It would make me much happier. But I have called it Gathering to Care because I feel that actually that has a description of part of what the church is about. It's not the whole part. It's not everything. But part of what the church is about is to care for one another, to build community. And it's just a community of care. We're, we're called to go on a mission and uh, we'll be looking at more about this next week. But part of what God has called us to together is to build a community that cares for one another, that loves one another. You see, God is building a community. Gathering together is about community in itself, isn't it? From our website, it says this. Everyone needs a community to be part of. It's true, isn't it? We all need a community to be part of. And and we believe as a church that small groups form an ideal way in which we can enjoy community and build friendships. Our small groups are called life groups and are at the very heart of Jubilee Church. We're not meeting in them at the moment, but they'll start again in September. And I want to underline again the importance of small groups, the importance of what we call life groups. They're an essential building block to the life of the church. And they are the way that we seek to build community, and in doing so, to then care for and love one another, as Jesus has told us to do. So once we start them again in September, then uh, please make sure you get plugged into one quickly and become part of one, not just attending a meeting, but really building community, seeking to build friendships, to love and care for one another. You see, it's hard to do that on a Sunday. Even when there's not so many of us on a Sunday, there's still enough for people, for you not to know everybody, not to have that sort of strong friendship with everybody. So community happens often in, in smaller settings. That setting might be in front of the telly watching an England match. 
or it might be over a meal, or it might be as you open up God's word together. But community is important to us. And it's a way in which we can love one another. Jesus said, didn't he, John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Our first two values as a church are number one, loving God, and number two, loving one another. A new command I give you, love one another, said Jesus. This is really important, but it requires action on our part, doesn't it? For it to happen, it does require action on our part. You know, we, we can put it on a website, we can publish it in a nice snazzy colour brochure, but it only happens if we actually do something. Not just talk about it, but actually put it into practice. It requires action, not just an agreeing in our head, but rather a doing with our hands. And more than that, caring for one another actually speaks volumes to people. People say, wow, you really, you really care. I know when we've, we've had uh, uh, for, uh, meals from the church each time we've, we've had a baby. And uh, friends have said to us, well, it's great that the church cares like that and has provided meals for you for a couple of weeks. It's, it's been great. And it's been a practical example of loving and caring for one another. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five, the next verse, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if, if what? If you, if you love one another. So it's not by you know, you, you wearing a, a fish badge or sticking a, a, a label on your car. It's not by you having a Christian T-shirt. It's not by you, uh, you know, you could list a whole load of things, couldn't you? It's by us loving one another that people recognize us as his disciples. It's important. So if you're looking for a community to be part of, maybe you're just with us looking into Jubilee today, then I want to invite you, come and be part of this community. Now, I want to be really clear, we're not perfect. <laughs> I'm the first one to admit that. I'm not perfect and the rest of us aren't either. But we're doing our best at building a community of people that love God and love one another. And we want to welcome other people into that as well. And that leads me on to my next point of bringing people to Jesus. Bringing people to Jesus. You see, gathering to care is much more than just about building community. It's bringing people to Jesus. You may be surprised to know, or if you know me well, you won't be surprised to know, I do not have all the answers. It's true. And neither do you, either. It's also true that I don't have enough time to answer every pastoral need, give every piece of advice, pray with every person about every question, and not as anybody else. And before you say, hey, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? You want to be a pastor here? Just bear with me. Hang on in there, okay? Don't lose me just yet. Because there is a place for us loving one another. We've said that already. That's important. And there is absolutely a place for me and others to love and care and pray with and disciple and help you. That's all necessary and good. But, and it's a big but, we must ensure that we're bringing people to Jesus. It's not about bringing people to us. It's about bringing people to him. 
Otherwise, you know, people might as well go to a counselling centre or any rehab group or, or the pub or, or anywhere. Our distinctive is and has to be Jesus. So we need to bring people to him. And my job, I believe, is to help you to learn how to do that, both for yourself and for other people, to equip you that you might come to Jesus and also be able to bring others to him as well, in order that you might receive his love and his care, in order that you might be changed by him. And then, as we shall see next week, to go and to, uh, to speak of him and to demonstrate his kingdom. You see, it's about bringing people to him. Now, yes, we want to love one another and care for one another along the way. But listen, if, if, if he isn't part of this, we've got nothing distinctive to offer. It has to be about bringing people to Jesus. Are you, are you with me on this? Yeah. See, here's the way and the truth and the life. There's no other way other than him. He made it very clear. It's not us saying that. It's not my phrase. Jesus said it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The message translation of the Bible, which is uh, putting the Bible language into quite a modern style and sort of expanding it a bit, puts it like this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. I love that phrase, the unforced rhythms of grace. Come to me, all you who are weary, Jesus said, and I'll give you rest. You see, we come to Jesus at his invitation. You never have to come to Jesus in a a way to try and persuade him to let you come. You know, you don't have to come and think, I wonder if he's got time for me today. I wonder if he can fit me in. I wonder if I've done all that is needed. I, haven't, I wonder if I've opened my Bible enough or prayed or whatever it might be. It's not about that. Friends, you come to Jesus because of his invitation. And you know, when you get an invitation, you, you can respond well, can't you? If you get an invitation in the post to a party or, or a meal or an event, you think, hey, I'm invited. I can go. You don't have to turn up thinking, hey, I wonder if I can sneak in with my friends here. I wonder if they'll notice if there's another person at the table or, or at the bar. I wonder if I can just, just get in around the corner without being seen. It's not like that. If you've got your name on an invitation, you can go and you can go to the door and there might be a bouncer on there saying, if your name's not on the list, you're not coming in. And you can say, hey, it is on the list. Look, there's my invitation. And it's the same with coming to Jesus. Your name's on an invitation. You can come to him. You don't have to somehow persuade him, but rather, your name's on an invitation. Come to me, Jesus says. And he says it to each of us. He says it to each of you this morning. It's your name 
on that invitation. And as you come to him, you hand your, your problems over to him. You allow him to take control. You allow the Holy Spirit to, to minister his grace to you. And God starts to do something in your life. He really does. And as you come to him, he gives you rest. Now, our rest is a godly principle. And some of us are better at rest than others. But even God rested after, you know, creating the world, didn't he? Now, sometimes we can think that rest just means sitting around and watching the telly. Think, oh, that's rest. I'm not going to do anything now. Rest isn't necessarily that. But rather, rest may mean a high energy and a sweating game of squash. That might be rest. Rest may mean window shopping with a friend. Rest may be taking the kids to the park or going for a walk with your best friends. Rest may mean putting on a worship CD and worshipping Jesus for an hour. Rest may mean reading a good book. You see, rest is not about sitting around doing nothing, but rather rest is about recharging your soul. It's about finding fresh energy again from him. It's about recharging your emotions, your body. It's not just about you know, sitting in front of the telly and watching whatever happens to come on. That's not rest. Rest is about recharging. And it's in Jesus that we find rest. Rest from striving to find acceptance. Rest from thinking it's all about us because it really isn't. It's all about him. Victor Hugo said this about rest. He said, when you have done all that you can, go to bed. God is still up. Great quote, isn't it? When you have done all that you can, go to bed. God is still up. See, rest is about abiding in Jesus. It's about remaining in him. It's like being in him. Jesus talked about, uh, gave a picture of a vine, didn't he? And how how we rest in him, how we abide in him. And it's, it's a bit like being, being in that vine, if we imagine that, that the vine was Jesus, you know, where, it's where those grapes grow that wine is made from. And it's like being in him that we find our rest. And in John 15, Jesus tells a sort of parable, if you like, a story really to help us to understand. He says, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so they'll be even more fruitful. And uh, he, he goes on. Yeah. Um, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus is saying, actually, you need to remain in me. Just like that vine needs to be part of the bigger thing, to bear fruits. For us to bear fruit in our lives, we need to remain in him. And you can imagine Jesus talking, can't you? You can imagine him with a, with a crowd of people, and he looks around, there's a vine there. And he uses it as an illustration. He uses it as a picture. He says, hey, you see the vine? Hey, I'm the true vine. And my father, he's the gardener. And the people can say, oh, yeah, vine. They can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. So they would have known about pruning vines. They would have known about cutting back and getting ready for fruitfulness. They would have have understood that. And Jesus says that he is the true vine, his father is the gardener, and that we need to remain in him. You see, once you come to Jesus, you're grafted into him. It's like you become part of his vine. 
And what we're interested in is this. It's how does, the, how does it produce fruit? Because that's really what you're interested in, isn't it, on a, on a vine. It's, yeah, it might look pretty, but what you really want is the fruit. Well, how do we bear fruit? Well, we remain in the vine. We remain in Jesus. But as well as that, for a vine to, to produce fruit well, it's regularly pruned and cut back. So to start with, we need to remain in the vine. We need to have responded to God's invitation to us for that relationship with him and then remain in that relationship with him and then walk with him, be with him. If you like, abide with him or remain with him. Make sure that that life comes from him. If you took a branch away from the vine and sort of broke it off and put it over on the ground on its own, there's no life in it, is there? It's going to wither and die and shrivel up and you know, any fruit that was on it is, is just going to shrivel away. Why? Because it's not connected to the vine. There's no life in it of itself. It has to be part of the vine to have life. And friends, the same is true for us. We have to be part of that vine, Jesus, to have life. But as well as that, branches are pruned, aren't they? And when a branch is pruned, you know, it's, not, it's not sort of broken off and thrown away. It's carefully trimmed, carefully cut back. And in fact, branches are only pruned because they're part of the vine. And you wouldn't go to any effort in pruning a branch that wasn't part of the vine, would you? You'd only prune something that you'd want to produce fruit and be part of that vine. And God prunes us as well, doesn't he? He wants to deal with things in our lives that get in the way of his work in us. God wants to prune us. God wants to prune you. He wants to deal with things that get in the way of his work in our lives. That that may be something sinful. It it may be something that's just got in the way. James puts it like this in James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, God uses all sorts of circumstances to grow us. He allows us to be tested. He allows us to face trials. Nothing happens to us without his knowledge. It's not that somehow God misses something. God knows. He allows us to face these things in order that he might prune us, in order that he might develop perseverance in us, in order that we might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So as we gather together, we look to God to worship. We want to grow in word and spirit. And we look to care for one another and love one another and and demonstrate God's love to one another. But as well as that, we must make sure that we ourselves are coming to Jesus. We must make sure that we're bringing people to Jesus. And, And friends, we've got to make sure that we're remaining in the vine. Because that's where the life is. That's where life comes from. And it's only as we do that, that as only as the vine does that, it bears fruit, isn't it? And it's only as we do that, that we can bear fruit in our lives for his glory and for his wonderful name. And it's as we bear fruit that we can then go. And we'll look at that more next week. So I guess that my question as we begin to wrap up is this. Are you loving one another? 
Are we really doing that? How are we doing on that? Are we making an effort to love one another and making sure we're doing something about that? Are we, how are we doing on building community? Are you, are you building community? I know we haven't got life groups at the moment and uh, we're looking forward to having those start again in September. But, you know, you don't need a formal setting to build community. It might be getting on the phone and having some friends rounds. It might be watching an England match on the telly. It might be going for a walk. It might be a whole number of things. We, we don't need necessarily formal structures to build community is what I'm saying. Have friends around for a meal. Whatever you want to do. Let's make sure we're looking at building community. But as well as that, let's make sure that just as the branch remains in the vine, let's make sure that we're remaining in Jesus and getting our life from him. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.